Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Realcom Live. Um, if you've been watching over the last few uh, weeks, you've noticed that our topic has been really centered uh, on artificial intelligence. Um, I think we've had four. Today will be the fifth Realcom Live episode on this topic. We've had two webinars in the last few weeks, which, by the way, if you've not watched those, you've got to. Um, I, uh, I popped in to, to get them kicked off, and then I stuck around and listened to the rest. I learned things that I just thought. Uh, that I thought I knew, and I did. So this conversation today, we are going to continue down the AI road uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's consuming a lot of people's time and energy. We're trying to collectively do it as an industry so everybody can you know, accelerate their journey a little bit. And we're also getting ready for Buildings AI, which is uh, in a little bit less than two weeks uh, in Silicon Valley. And I got to tell you, the preparation for this event has just stretched my brain. I know Howard and his team have just been lifting up rocks and finding domain experts, not just in the real estate industry, but in the AI industry, and then the governance uh, side of this conversation. And, and we're going to have uh, you know, a bunch of people in that room that are some of the smartest people on this topic. A lot of them, admittingly, not having all the answers. In fact, uh, we're going to probably come away with more questions. But the more we get these questions answered, the faster we're going to get to the point where this stuff is really productive in the built environment. And so, again, continuing on the theme, um, I thought, let's bring in some practitioners, some folks who you know, are, are fighting this battle day to day. They've got big real estate portfolios that they have to manage uh, from an IT perspective, but they also have to deal with this AI question. Uh, I would consider them friends as well as associates. Joseph Martino, Vice President of Information Technology for Primaris Reed, and Aaron Alter, a true innovator, Director of Technology Initiatives for Our Property. So let's bring these guys on. Just get this conversation started. Hey, guys. Um, we joke again, we should have just recorded the green room because <laughs> we we ran out of time and and, uh, and and the conversation could have just kept going. So first of all, thank you for being here. Pleasure to be uh, here. Yeah, likewise. And, and, and what we're going to try to do in this brief, you know, 20 or so minutes is is hit three big buckets. Your perspective of artificial intelligence from an IT professional, and I'll, I'll cue it up. And then I want to jump into a few case studies that you guys are poking around with. And then I kind of want to go back to the conversation of data and, and how important it is uh, to really make all this stuff work. So let's start with this question, guys. You know, I've been an IT professional 35 plus years. Okay, I started with many computers, went through the distributed PC, was there when the Internet kicked off. Um, and so I, I've been able to kind of, you know, bounce my way through it. And some cases, you know, maybe even get a little bit ahead of what the trends were. But I got to tell you, this one, you know, even though we introduced it in 2016 at Realcom in the general session, this one kind of took us by surprise, right? You know, the ChatGBT just lit it up globally. Everybody started talking. And then Realcom was, you know, a big topic at the conference in June, you know, general session, lots of breakouts, lots of hallway conversations. We start the, the AI advisory group right after, and that led to Buildings AI. That's all pretty quick. Okay. So Joseph, let's start with you. I mean, you know, give us a couple of highlights of your IT career, you know, that may be somewhat similar and then tell us how you're dealing with this. Um, so highlights, uh, from my career, um, I, I spent a bunch of time in uh, SAS providing SAS software, mainly in the telematics IOT space. So I'm very familiar with operational technologies. Um, uh, both on the operational side and on production IT as well, and managing corporate IT. Um, I would say this is, in, um, at the same time, it's it's invigorating, but also scary. Um, it's consuming a ton of my time to keep up um, and, and abreast with 
AI, um, where the advancements are, how I can bring it into the organization, how we can use it effectively, safely, responsibly. Um, there's just, uh, like you said in, in the opening, um, we're probably going to come away with more questions than anything. But um, really, I think it's, it's um, I, I, I'm curious and um, I, I've been consuming a lot of my time and just really trying to absorb um, uh, a lot of the information that's out there. Talking with peers, being in groups like this, um, has really helped me and bring things to our organization uh, to make sure that at least we're starting the foundational part uh, to this uh, as best as we can. Aaron, I've known you for a number of years now, and you've always been at the forefront pushing ideas, you know, with your labs and, and all the, 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 the risks you guys have been willing to take. How are you dealing with this? Um, well, it's, you know, our strategy uh, in and of itself has has not really changed. We've stayed true to the core principles. Uh, and the main core principle that always rings true is data first, data quality first. Uh, and whatever new kind of end application, end user consumption of our data uh, is only going to benefit from that core piece. So I talk with our CTO, Elon Zakar, um, frequently about this. We always go back to, you know, we're here, we're ready for AI, we understand it. Uh, but AI is only going to work if we're trusting our modeled, you know, core data platform that we've been working on uh, for the last five years. So uh, we are, as far as our, our journey and our maturity level, um, we're, we're definitely not in the nascent stage and we're definitely not experts. Uh, we've tried and, and explored uh, and have had some learnings along the way. But, um, yeah, excited for things to come. Yeah. So more than ever. I think it's important uh, in, in respect to the business alignment, right? You know, IT shops, you know, they're ones that sit in the back and, and hit keyboards and they're the other ones that jump out and get in front of the business, go meet with the business, try to really understand the business problems. This one to me feels like you can't move an inch without legitimate, authentic, constant communications with the businesses. Is that a fair statement? Fair statement. I, I would say it's coming from all ends of the organization. Uh, people who are curious or maybe less technical as well as uh, up from you know coming from the board and the executive team and you know what what's our strategy and they're looking to the frankly they're looking to the it team to figure this out um so really um coming up with a strategy behind uh, like you said aaron uh, wh what are we going to do which data sets which challenges in the business are we going to try and solve with ai where is it appropriate and, and where is it suitable in the organization um th that's where we're starting IT leaders have to be able to answer the question and respond because it's on every CEO's newsfeed right now. And they may not understand how it's going to benefit them or impact them positively or negatively, but leadership, IT leadership has to have a response well, and plan. And in, in, in our industry in particular, this, the executive leadership team has, has kept its distance from technology from a strategic comprehensive way, right? I mean, they fund IT departments, they, they, you know, they believe in them. But compared to some other industries where, you know, CIOs sit right next to somebody like a Jamie Dimon, you know, um, right, where, where it, it's a core part of the, of, the, of the company, we haven't had that luxury, you know. So, so now you've got CEOs, you know, Fear of Missing Out is very strong, right? They read the magazine articles, they read the news feeds, and they come to you, and, and this is not one you can knee-jerk, right? You, you, you'll, you'll, you'll go down a rabbit hole very quick, right? So... Back to you, Joseph. How are you educating the organization? I mean, starting with executive leadership, CEO and down, 
all the way to the receptionist. I mean, yep. how, how are you getting your, your organization AI ready? So it, it's a challenge right off the bat. I'll, I'll make that known. Taking all the information that I'm looking for, researching and distilling it into um, the, the, the right package for the right audience is definitely a challenge. So um, creating awareness on the risk and governance side is something that's important for the leadership team. What are our risks? How do we um, mitigate? Um, you know, what, what does this uh, risk and governance landscape look like for us? And then from, um, you know, uh, the, the operational side or from other parts of the business, it's um, we're getting questions uh, from from teams. Um, you know, Aaron, to your point, we got to know this stuff ahead of time because every software company under the sun is has now integrated AI or some AI feature into their roadmap. And, you know, they're coming to our business partners and they're saying, hey, use this because it's going to make your uh, leasing better. Use this because it's going to turn your ERP into uh, a reporting machine and you won't need to do, um, you know, th these quarterly reports that take you months to put together anymore. And so um, distilling that and, and really looking at it um, at its core from, you know, a business challenge perspective. Where can we use it to solve the major business challenges, prioritize those challenges and do a suitability analysis? Like, you know, uh, I hear a lot about chatbots and I hear uh, things that, um, you know, are, are more, uh, uh, I would say, aesthetic AI on the organization. I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not venturing down those those pieces. I really want to get to the core. I really want to get into the data sets that are important to the business. We're starting on the leasing side. There's a lot of unstructured data there. We have leases that are on paper from 1980s and we're converting that data into structured data and you know we're not advanced in the project but this is this is some of the parts of, of the business we're starting in if you get a chance we talked about earlier take a look at the webinar yesterday uh justin siegel did a demo where he's using ai for the acquisition process where he's looking at five or eight assets and he just puts you know the the all the vegetables on the table, you know, puts it in the blender and this thing comes back and was like making quasi reasonable recommendations on which asset out of 10, you know, provided the best opportunity. Aaron, I think you saw it. I mean, <laughs> it was, as I think you said, next level, right? Uh, um, so how about you and the organization? You know, are, are, are they pushing you? What's the relationship between you and the organization as it relates to AI? Yeah, yeah so we have, we've approached it um, kind of down two paths. Uh, it's it's great that Joseph brought up uh, lease abstraction and lease data because that's really where we started. Um, and I consider that project where we did kind of like field extraction out of lease documents and structured them in a way that we could query and report uh, in kind of the machine learning and automation bucket. Uh, we did that, accomplished it. We had a, a project that was adopted by the organization and we were able to gain some more trust. That it, to me is different than the new age generative AI that's producing right. content, um, you know, making some decision analysis for you. Uh, and we're kind of right in the middle between, you know, this proof of concept where we can understand machine learning and automation. We've seen the efficiencies uh, and now we're exploring generative AI. To your question, though, Jim, the organization has to trust piece one. And if right. the organization doesn't trust that automation process, trust your data, you're never going to get to phase two, which is, you know, unleashing, unleashing the machines on your, you know, valuable company information. And we're going to we're going to we're going to round out the conversation after the break with that data. We're going to go back to the fundamentals because you don't get to first base without the fundamentals. You just don't. Right. 
Um, but I do think this, and we've heard everything you know, from the organizational perspective, uh, hackathons and, and you know, um, courses for the CEOs. People are taking, you know, going back to school to learn the fundamentals of AI. I mean, what I've heard just even in the last three months about what organizations are doing to bring everybody up to speed. And yet there are people I know very well in major organizations who are too busy to have the conversation because they got their heads buried in spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. It's still our our industry, you know, has been buried in spreadsheets for a long time, and they they become very complicated and complex. And there's a comfort level with them, and their knowledge of AI is not very high, right? And so that's going to be, I think, one of the pivotal pivotal things in our industry is when we we get those mid level analysts, you know, who are crunching the numbers, may, helping to make the decisions. I really believe they have to be part of this conversation right now. I mean, do you agree? Disagree? I agree. You have to bring in your business partners. You have to make um, them believers in in the project. Actually, be, be a part of the discovery. So, um, you know, how do we bring this to the organization? We've um, have created an AI committee where we have not only technical folks but also business teams that are part of the discussion, um, understanding what are the use cases in the business, talking through those use cases, and really your champions are are, are your business team members. And so because uh, you're solving business challenges. Okay. Let's take a stab before the break at uh, unpacking case studies a little bit. First question, first part of the question is, what's your protocol, your process for, you know, putting everything on the table and then prioritizing part, part A. And then part B is give me one or two that have bubbled up to the top that got your attention, get you excited and that you might be pursuing. We'll start with Aaron. Sure. So we prioritize, um, like Joseph mentioned, uh, based on the value it's going to bring to the business, and do we have buy-in? Do we have champions? Uh, because IT really can't be driving these at the end of the day. It's got to be a need, a pull from the business. So if that pull is there, then it's worth our our, our efforts to pilot. Um, I'll just run through two that we've we've done quickly. Uh, one is the lease automation piece for leases, um, bill abstractions, and other documents. Uh, that's kind of basic, fundamental stuff. Uh, next level. A couple of years ago, we were setting up um, IAQ sensors around the buildings, right? We've collected so much data now uh, over a year and a half, two years that it's uh, it's smart enough to automate. So we have some really cool um, energy efficiency. Does Joe Allen know about that? I hope you know, so. Because he was just on 60 Minutes and, and you know, talking a lot of fundamentals. You guys were always up the, at the front on the IAQ. Yeah. And now with the application of AI on top of that, honestly, if you don't know him, we'll introduce you. Uh, but I think he should fully understand your AIQ uh, indoor air quality data set. And, and there might be some leverage that each of you can bring to the table. That'd be great. Yep. Joseph, how about you? Uh, process and then a few that are getting your attention. Yeah. So uh, I would say, um, like we talked, leasing on, on that side, but uh, extending it into generative AI um, feature set where we can interact with the data um, in a way that the business teams can use it to make sense um, across legal leasing operations, um, but also taking it a step further and refreshing our data architecture. Uh, we recognize, you know, we're talking about IoT. Um, our, our, our data warehouse is traditionally built around ERP data, and you you don't really commingle that data uh, traditionally with uh, IoT data, et cetera. Et cetera. And so we're using a starting project where we are using generative AI to build out our enterprise architecture and model. 
And that will involve many different data sets across um, IT, across IoT, across the business ERP data, and really making sense of, um, you know, taking IoT data and bringing it into the organization and modeling and creating a data warehouse out of that data and co-mingling it all together is, is very time consuming, intensive, resource intensive. We have 13 people on our IT team. We don't have deep bench when it comes to data. We don't have a data services team. So using generative AI to actually fast track the model, the architecture parts. Of I have not heard that one yet. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, just listening to this conversation, the level of complexity. I mean, I remember when we were talking about tenant roles and, you know, and, and accounts receivable and payable, still incredibly important, but boy, how complicated it has become so fast. I mean, it's always, it was always complicated integrating all the different data sets of a real estate operation, both back office as well as the building, not an easy task. Um, but, but I think the story we've been telling for all these years where you needed the infrastructure, you needed the data collection, architecture, you needed the repository. If you don't have those things, you're you're really at a disadvantage because AI will do nothing for you. So, um, all right, with that, let's take a brief break uh, from, and hear from one of our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to get back to the conversation of data because it all, lead, all roads lead to data as it relates to AI. And uh, both these guys have some good opinions on, on that topic. I'll be right back. All right, let's get these guys back and, uh, and keep this conversation going. Um, two really smart guys. All right, so I want to pivot back to data a little bit, okay? And, and you know, if I just think at a high level, we got data in your ERPs, we got data in your Microsoft SharePoint, we got you know, data in your email systems, your Word docs, your Excel spreadsheets, your databases, uh, all your building systems. I mean, there's data all over the place, right? And, and we've been pretty consistent for the last 15, 20 years saying you need a data architecture plan. We called it different things in the early part. You know, what's the strategy to connect to the information? What's the strategy to capture the information? How do you normalize it? Where does it go? And then if you did those steps, now you're ready for AI, right? Because, but very few people in our industry are at that point, right? So Joe, Joseph, let's start with you. Tell me your perspective on data, where you guys are at and, and reiterate or not how important the right data strategy is to an organization as it relates to AI. Um, I think it's very important. I think uh, we're we're still, um, you know, even classifying data, uh, especially when you're talking about new data sets like uh, you mentioned productivity tools. So, uh, you know, um, how many organizations have actually uh, classified the productivity data uh, other than, you know, oh, we have uh, Office 365 and email data, but really taking it a level deep and understanding all of the data within the productivity tools, especially we're, we use a, um, a good portion of the Microsoft stack. And so, as you imagine, there's many applications in there, um, Teams, uh, uh, video conferencing, uh, all the productivity tools that we're familiar with. Now looking at using that data and, and, and looking at a product like Copilot and seeing yeah. how we can utilize um, Microsoft layering on a generative AI tool that allows us now to interact with our productivity data. Blending that with ERP data and blending that with, you know, other sorts of data, but really at its core, it's classifying and understanding your data universe. What do you have out there and what do you want to use to solve these business challenges? Um, you have to stay away from the flash um, other than 
showing to the business or, or what I like to say, the art of possible. Sometimes there's, there's good reason to actually bubble up a use case that maybe doesn't have, you know, full, um, uh, full value for the business, but the value that it does provide is it shows the company the possibilities of what these tools can do for the data that we have and then start to generate ideas within the business. I, I commonly refer to IT as uh, sort of the, the muse of the organization. Um, you know, get the ideas rolling, get, get the business teams thinking about these things. And then um, when they come up with the ideas and the business challenges they want to solve, then we'll be prepared for that. I do think, though, we're at a point where those business leaders are going to have to take some time, invest some time in understanding the complexity of AI and the reliance on good structured data and giving you more resources financially as well as human to you know have these these teams expanded a little bit so you can accomplish what they're looking for because you, you're not going to be able to you know pull these things out of a hat. You need a plan, you need budgets, and you need resources, right? Um, Aaron, what about you? I mean, you guys have been on this journey for a while on the data architecture side. You know, are you ready uh, for, for where we're at? Yeah, our you know our approach uh, in, in contrast to, to Joseph is a little bit different. Um, we took a kind of a decoupled, um, segmented uh, data approach where our data lives outside of our applications. And we developed this, what we refer to as a common data model, where our, you know, source systems, building systems feed into this common data system that sits sort of in an arbitrary state to any other applications. And that's just sort of our approach. What platform and where does it reside? Um, it's a it's a proprietary platform that sits yeah. in basically a supercomputer, you know, that can run applications on top of it. We yeah. drop in new applications all the time, and that's the purpose. That's the reason mm -hmm. to leave us, um, you know, kind of like BI platform agnostic, AI platform agnostic. Uh, so if you ask, are we ready for the future? I have to say yes because we can adapt and and modify. Now, what scares me is you know, I'm comfortable with the data that I know and see today. Uh, what scares me is what I don't know in the future about source data that we're not collecting now. Uh, so that's why we've been on this journey to have a huge appetite for data and invest in, um, you know, in the aggregation and, and modeling of it. So when maybe in 12 months, 24 months, we're talking about the next generation of AI beyond generative chat, uh, we'll be ready to execute on that very quickly. And, you know, like, Joseph mentioned, it's a great point. Um, you need to tease the business to show capabilities. And when the appetite is there, be the subject matter expert very quickly uh, and deliver. Yep. Uh, wise words. So we're out of time, unfortunately, but boy, these conversations are not stopping, right? We got a little event coming up in 10 days or so. Uh, it's going to be intense. I mean, it's eight hours in the room, nonstop. I mean, this thing's programmed to the second. Demos, opinions, governments, Microsoft, Google. I mean, there, there's going to be everybody that needs to be in the room based on where we're at is going to be in that room. So Joseph, final thoughts. What do you tell your peers uh, in respect to the AI journey? What's your 30 second, you know, Monday morning advice for, for them as, as, as relates to this very complex topic? Uh, be curious, be part of things um, like you're discussing right now, these sorts of conferences, networking, learning, sharing, collaborating with peers is really the platform uh, that I prefer from a learning perspective, um, especially within the industry. I find this industry to be very uh, amenable to sharing and collaborating and uh, be curious about all this. 
use the tools. So personally, uh, I've been brushing up on my Python skills. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, subscribed to whatever uh, um, AI uh, engine that I can that's publicly available right now and using it. I, you know, I have a MidJourney account, obviously a ChatGPT Plus account. We don't have all the same access that you guys have in the U.S. to uh, uh, Bard and Llama, et cetera, but Canadians get it second. Um, but as soon as that does come, be curious, get in there, get your uh, hands on it. Um, I, I, I commonly listen to podcasts. Um, I just try and absorb as much as I can, distill, and then try to bring it back to the organization. We don't get to the finish line or even to the starting line without accelerated collaboration. You don't. You try doing this in a vacuum, and I think you'll, it'll chop your head off. Yeah. Aaron, final thoughts. Yeah, exactly. To Joseph's point, the best way to learn is to do. Uh, so test and build. Um, so my advice would be fundamentals, uh, back to the basics with data, make sure it's modeled, you understand it, you can access it, uh, but also keep an eye on the future. Uh, I got a note here, Goldman Sachs estimates the global AI investment could total 200 billion within two years. So be wow. ready. Yeah. Yeah. And then we also have to be careful of the FOMO purveyors of hype, right? That don't take us down the wrong pipes uh, or the wrong roads, I should say. I think the collective advice of lean in, experiment, you know, always learning, collaborate with, with a careful eye on reality and, and practical restraints. I mean, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, the compute. Nobody's talking about the compute power required to do these things, right? And, and, and where does the data res, reside and, and, and where's the compute power coming from? Very complicated conversations. And, and I do really like our industry for the fact that you guys get together, collaborate, and collectively, hopefully, we come up with the right answers. So, as always, it's so good to see smart people trying to figure these things out. Uh, I really appreciate both of you and, and for taking the time today and uh, just helping us on this journey with artificial intelligence in the built environment. So, thank you. You're welcome. Glad to be a part of it. Thank you. Awesome. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Be well. All right. So, now we're in that uh, one of my favorite parts of the whole episode is the news. We got uh, the extraordinaire himself, Mr. Berger, is going to uh, give us an insight. Uh, he's become quite the AI expert in the last uh, 90 days. So, uh, <laughs> Howard, I'm going to turn it over to you. And, and if the news isn't all about AI, uh, give people a little idea what they can expect with this. Oh, we've this got a little AI now. this week, uh, as to be expected. Uh, so thank you, Jim. And, and uh, thank you, Joseph and Aaron. That was really a great conversation. Um, so I'm going to move right into the news. So I've got a couple of stories from this week's new weekly news briefing, and it goes out every Thursday morning. If you don't see it in your inbox, just go to realcom.com and click on news. So for our first story, is it finally time to say goodbye to WeWork? Uh, so earlier this week, the media reported that WeWork's mulling over filing a Chapter 11 petition in New Jersey, and their shares tanked nearly 50% to a record low. Now, once privately valued at $47 billion, now has a market cap of just about $121 million. Their IPO plans in, imploded in 2019 on skepticism over its business model of taking long-term leases and renting them out for short-term. They finally went public in 2021, much reduced valuation than they initially expected, and despite the billions poured in by SoftBank yet to return a, a profit. So their stock was trading at a historic low of $1.18 earlier this week, latest in a string of record lows after losing about 90%, uh, 96% of its value, this sad story. Um, for our next news segment, we highlight 
a smart building project from our IBCon Smart Building Best Practice Showcase, where we have a bunch of real estate practitioners presenting their most innovative technology-driven commercial and corporate real estate projects. And this week, we're profiling Walmart's extraordinary, fully flexible tech-powered 350-acre home office campus in Bentonville, Arkansas, planned to open in 2025. Now, it promises to be an extraordinary work environment with sustainable design, embracing this region's natural beauty and with a commitment to whole health approach. It's going to be a model for Walmart's zero emissions future. For example, during their demolition phase is more than 97 percent, uh, which is 225,000 tons of demolished materials was recycled and diverted from landfill. They're also using 100 percent dynamic glass in their 450,000 square feet of office building. Uh, they'll get 52 million gallons of water year, a year from 13 plus acres of lakes for smart irrigation, wildlife habitat, rainwater reuse, and more. Solar panels on the layout center, EV charging, LED lighting for energy efficiency. And they're using BIM and digital twins to monitor, maintain, and gain the efficiency of campus operations, which is going to help them years into the future. It's a phenomenal project. Uh, next, uh, just a little brief, Schneider Electric announced their new innovation uh, lab facility in Montreal, and it's going to function as a cornerstone for R&D development, leading to the creation of about 40 new tech and innovation positions in Montreal by the end of 2024. Their new 4,500 square foot facility features an electromechanical lab for actuator performance, motor environmental and system testing, a wet lab for valve performance testing, valve actuator, wet accelerated life testing, and a fast prototype lab for 3D printing for assembly fit testing and creating prototypes on demand. Also have a 3D laser scanner uh, to offer reverse engineering and drawing compliance. And I quote, it is here at this new facility where Schneider Electric will elevate the design and testing of our intelligent edge solutions to ensure the reliability and performance of digital infrastructures, transforming buildings worldwide in a smart, modern, net zero landmark, says Andre Marino, SVP Digital Buildings, Schneider Electric. Finally, this past Monday, uh, President Joe Biden signed an extensive 111-page executive order focused on safe, secure, and trustworthy development and use of AI. Uh, the EO addresses a number of growing concerns about the potential risks associated with AI technologies, especially advanced models like ChatGPT. And it emphasizes the U.S. government's commitment to adopting AI technology safely and securely. It directs agencies to redefine AI governance, regulation, leadership, and encouraging safe AI usage in government and the private sector. It covers various areas such as critical infrastructure, cyber, immigration, competition, workforce, intellectual property, privacy, and more. The White House AI Council is going to oversee the implementation and utilize the Defense Protection Act to ensure the uh, availability of safe AI. So this EO seeks to promote competition in AI, address equity and civil rights concerns, enhance privacy and support AI-enabled tools in various sectors like healthcare, energy, education, and transportation. So folks, that was just a few of this week's highlights. Uh, well, and they're uh, all great. They were all great articles, Howard, but I'm gonna comment on the, the last one on that executive order. Uh, as we've been talking about for the last you know couple months on our webinars and, and this show, um, moving so fast, politicians having a hard time figuring it out. Uh, you know, government agencies having a trouble. The private sector, you know, public companies, private companies, 
And I just got to tell you, our relationship with SCSP, which we started to establish by about a year and a half ago, gives us front and center access to what's going on in D.C., right? Eric Schmidt's organization designed to you know, make sure that the government sector and the private sector are talking. Um, we're going to have two of their great executives at uh, Cortec and Buildings AI. Uh, they're going to be talking about their new white paper uh, on uh, AI and and also their involvement with the White House and other governmental agencies on, on the, the intellect they're bringing to this conversation. I would be very surprised if SDSP's DNA is not on uh, a good portion of that executive order. The brain power in that SCSP group is just phenomenal, uh, not to be overlooked. And as, as you mentioned, they will be there in person. I mean, yep. they, the folks that are driving this uh, at Buildings AI. Uh, you have done a phenomenal job on that program, how you got all the right people into the room at the same time in such a short period of time is nothing short of a miracle. And uh, like I've been saying, we're not gonna come away with all the answers, probably more questions, but I'm calling this the foundational AI group for the built environment. Anybody who is leaning into this is going to be there. And anybody who wants to be a fly in the wall, I would strongly suggest you get registered and uh, figure out a way how to be in Silicon Valley in about a week and a half. So. Just just come and open your ears and listen, because yeah. the brain power there is going to be phenomenal. Phenomenal. And, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, my friend. You have a great weekend, and uh, I'm sure we will be in touch. You do the same. Thanks. Okay. Take care. All right. So before I wrap the show, let's hear from our final sponsor. And I'm going to give you a little clue on next week's show. It is a barn burner. All right. So uh, I, I really caution to say I, we saved the best for last on this AI conversation um, before uh, our event, uh, because every guest has been phenomenal. But I will tell you that next week's guest is going to be truly a treat because he's going to give the built environment an idea of how we are going to collectively get inside the Microsoft organization to get to the right people who understand, on one hand, artificial intelligence, and on the other hand, the built environment. I mean, we, you can find an AI expert you know, that was in the room when DeepMind beat the Korean Go champion, but if they don't know the real estate industry, it, it's, it's going to take longer. Well, through a series of relationships and introductions, we have found an incredible relationship inside that organization. Ajoy Bhattacharya, senior technology strategist for Microsoft, sits right in the middle of that open AI team and the built environment. He's going to be a guest on next week's show. He's going to give us a little idea what he's going to be talking about at Buildings AI. But if you are in the real estate industry and want to understand how fast this is going to go and, and Microsoft's involvement in this journey, you are not going to want to miss next week's episode. So tell your friends, tell your family, listen to it live or after the fact. But uh, it's going to be a great primer on what we can expect to hear from Microsoft at Buildings AI, uh, the 15th and 16th in Silicon Valley. So with that, wishing you all a great day, uh, a good weekend, and we will see you next week on Realcom Live. Be well.